Miles. Miles. Hello. Uh, it, uh, per Walt Ruff, uh, who's a uh, writer for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, sans Andre Svechnikov, the Canes lineup tonight in New Jersey. Line one: Seth Jarvis, Sebastian Ajo, Yessi Puliyarvi. He's playing top L. welcome back to another episode of one for one i'm your host nolan schumann joined as always by my co-host miles fuchs miles we are recording on a sunday a pre-oscars episode so very exciting time for all the film lovers out there we're going to cover uh everything everywhere all at once um we're i've got i've got a real top gun in front of me um what the hell else can I? You're do saying all the movie people like it's not um, literally just you know. You and Kyle. I've just been I've just been hearing all the women talking and they've been saying that one for one is their favorite show. Um, uh, uh, the what what's another good one in there? Uh, you know, because of last night, we are in a triangle of sadness. I don't fucking know. Okay, Miles, how you doing tonight? Well, good. I I think I finally get it, man. Everybody that gets mad at me for talking about F one letting you get away with all this movie bullshit well, i don't bring up movies that often no I, I know i'm a lot worse for it but it's i find like i get how it feels you know i i think i understand now i feel like this is a passive aggressive diss i feel like you're about to tell me that i'm actually bad at what i do very like the very next sentence no you're taking that way too i just i don't know it's, it's a niche thing to like you give me an inch i take a foot <laughs> gonna take my foot like diabetes or what kind of sort of yes i am britney, britney spears is gonna lose a foot to diabetes you remember that family guy bit no uh i do remember that yes i yeah. I, I i do remember the uh hi i'm wilford brimlin i got diabetes <laughs> it's like what, what is it like uh uh it's like i heard the doorbell ring and i like yelled at the dog and then he's like uh, i ran out of vanilla lot. i ran it's out a of lot vanilla, worse than that. <laughs> vanilla ice cream his his reaction is a lot worse than that. So maybe we just you know we'll let the real Leave fans fill in those blanks. But that's that's my TV. That's my Oscar winner. Family uh, guy. Uh, Miles, you are uh, you're going on a little vacation this week. That's why we're I recording am. so early. Yeah, I know. So we've only got a couple of games to talk about, but we're gonna be uh, soaking up the sun like Cheryl Crow down in Arizona. So um, oh, oopsie, I just docked myself, but. Uh, Docs myself but yeah it'll be fun it'll be a good time i don't want to give away too too much about what's going on because it's 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 actually a it's actually a bachelor party and i think that uh the the batch himself might potentially listen to this on the plane i don't know if it's that big of a that important of a show to him because he's a flames fan flames fan dill shout out flames yeah. fan dill but uh just in case he does i'm not going to say what we're doing because then he's going to know all of the itinerary we're trying to keep some surprise he thought he was going to vegas until today when the email for the early check-in came and that blew our cover because we've been telling him for like four months he was going to Vegas. So I don't know if he's like happy about that or disappointed now, but um, you know, that's half the fun. Half the fun's figuring it out. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a tough beat being a Calgary Flames fan in the last, uh, in the last <laughs> month or two. So <laughs> we only want the best for old Dill. 
<laughs> for old Bill after they got mangled by the ducks. Quack, quack. V and lost me a little bit of money. <laughs> Did you bet Flames on that? I bet Flames puck line, baby, and I was I... very certain of it. <laughs> I took ducks to cover, and I oh, you fucker! Like you what a cursed bet! <laughs> well, I watched it with him too, so I needed a reason—just an extra kick in the nads for him. Yeah, but then we got our nads handed to us last night. <laughs> Segway. So yeah, yeah, that's that's what we're going to be talking about here on this uh, Sunday. Cute little episode of One for One. We're going to go over the the highs and lows of Oilers hockey: the game against the Bruins, the game against the Leafs. We will then move into just some basic Oilers discussion, a little bit of uh, of of ketchup, as it were. No mustard, no relish, just ketchup. Once we get through that, we'll do a, a brief uh, NHL shit discussion, talk about what some um, deadline acquisitions are doing, what some front office moves that have been happening look like, and get, out, get you out of here with a rock star of the week. There's actually five or six of them this week, so... We've got uh, we've got a big one doing a little bit of a different thing here, but should be a fun episode. Should be should be a cute one. And um, speaking of cute ones, Bruins got a little bit of uh, oil dumped on them. Talk about a cocaine bear. How about an oil bear? Yeah, um, because uh, our nine point two five million dollar man showed up in a three two win over the Boston Bruins uh this past week it was a Thursday yeah yeah it was Thursday um yeah 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 uh Oilers looking to exact revenge on the near perfect Boston Bruins who are looking to officially punch their ticket to the Stanley Cup playoffs with a win after uh, checks notes uh, it is March 9th it that's March crazy 9th. Uh, uh, absolutely unbelievable uh, and they were looking like they were going to do that because less than four minutes in, Brad Marchand sneaks past a flat-footed Vinny D and fires one fires one at Stuart Skinner, who lets it in his five-hole. One nothing Bruins. Great start, guys. After a David after David Krejci scored on the power play, the Oilers were hoping for a Jer- Jeremy Kupal miracle, resulting in a challenge for the ensuing goal being called offside. They would be rewarded, leaving the game one nothing. Thank goodness. Ty, Ty Jeremy. We're we're gonna we're gonna get through this first period, right? We're gonna get through it. It's gonna be okay. We're gonna be. It's only be a one goal deficit. That's easy to get past. Well, with less than ten seconds left, Stuart Skinner does his best Mike Smith impression and then uh, uh, plays the puck and turns it over to David Krejci. The Oilers, the Oilers skaters doing their best traffic cone impersonations, allow the puck to travel to a feisty David Pasternak, who scores with .4 seconds left in the period to make it two nothing Bruins. Ah! <laughs> um. I didn't do this. Yeah, and at this point, I'm actually, I actually texted Miles and I said I would bench every person on the ice that was not Stuart Skinner for a shift or two, which included the likes I believe of I believe Leon Drysaddle, Ryan McLeod, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So well, when you get caught puck watching, it's uh, something that might have to happen, right? Yeah. And hey, Miles, I'm not blaming the goaltender on that one. So I've become a new man. I'm very proud of you, and I'd like to buy you a cake. Thank you so much. That says okay. goaltender ally on it. Would I you stand like with that? goaltenders. Would you like that? The well, cake? The, the, th- the thin blue crease. Sorry. Oh! <laughs> <No>! <laughs> Can I tell you a little story about the mean streets of Regina? <laughs> of course. So I'm driving in in the city the other day. Like this was this week. This was like 
Thursday or Wednesday. And there's a there's a city of police, like Regina City Police car in front of me. And then beside him is like the shittiest Dodge Ram you've ever seen. Like everything on yeah. it. Every every team that this guy's ever watched sticker is on the car. Dude, um like uh don't don't tailgate me like all that sort of shit and then in the corner he has like the thin blue line canadian flag hell yeah and he's driving beside this cop and you can tell that they're both just like looking at each other like maybe they're on the same squad or something bad squad i don't know but they just continued to drive side by side down park street at exactly 50 kilometers an hour (laughs) i'm sitting behind them like do i put my four ways on like are we a are we a are we a convoy right now am i am i part of this so that was kind of fun i took I, I took immediately the next turn i could i mean i mean that guy was probably a part of a convoy or two <laughs> we got a little convoy driving uh, to parliament <laughs> i actually have a funny story about bumper stickers it's very quick i i got i, I got called for a job at these people's home and they were like yeah we just moved in within the last like six months or so and i said oh that's great and it's like a nice house in like rural or sorry not rural but like suburban of like bowmanville so like very nice area kind of come kind of compared to like uh like wascana view sort of area you know like really nice area like that so i walk in and the guy's showing me his garage and we walk in and i go we walk in through through the interior door of the house into the garage so i can see the inside of the garage door and i walk in take a look to the right and it is covered inch like inch by inch from the top to the bottom in bumper stickers. But they aren't just like get off my ass bumper stickers. They are straight up like Pence 2024. Don't tread on me. Info wars. <laughs> like 9-11 was an inside job. Every and I'm like, whoa, this went fucking <laughs> from zero to a hundred. And the, it was like ironic? And the guy's like, no, and the guy's like, yeah, so the guy we bought the house from, and I said, oh, uh, he says, the guy was a little much, if you couldn't tell. Oh, okay. I said, so, so, this, so this is not yours. And then he says, oh, absolutely not. Because <laughs> <laughs> it just like, it went from like Tennessee football all the way to like uh, crisis actors are a real thing, like that type of shit. It was Dinah. Yeah. Buddy just had a little too much disposable income on vinyl bumper stickers to throw (sighs) in his garage. Tough. Hey, one more. Yes. I have a new favorite conspiracy theory, like not like favorite because I believe it, but just like (laughs) I hear it and I'm like, you're you need to touch grass. This is outrageous. And it's that dinosaurs are fake. Oh, is this a thing? Is this like a Kyrie Irving thing? It's I don't yeah it's it's a it's a it's a weird like conspiracy theory that dinosaurs aren't real and like their whole argument is like have you ever seen well that you know they've never found a complete skeleton before right like a hundred percent intact so it can't be real and then you're just like they're like sixty million years old man like they're probably not gonna find an intact one like your your car runs on that so I don't know what to tell you buddy. <laughs> I, I think that that one is my new favorite because it's just yeah. so outrageous. Yeah, but, but God boy. forbid you tell those people that the theory of evolution is a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no, what? What are you talking about? Uh, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. 
But uh, despite a back and forth uh, beginning of the second period, Matt Grizzlock turns the puck over to the last four players you want coming down on a four or four on one. That's right, baby. Warren Fogle, Nick <laughs> Bugstad, and Matthias Janmark, who finds Evan Dentine, Daddy Bouchard, and wires at home for his first goal in 44 games. 2-1 Bruins, and the game is back on. So those are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Eh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those are the four cursed members of the blood rotation. <laughs> the third period would give us quality saved by Stuart Skinner and Jeremy Swayman back and forth until number 19, Joe Sack, I mean Devin Shore, picks off $9.5 million Charlie McAvoy and sends a nasty feed to Ryan McLeod, who just removed his jibs to park the Brinks truck in between his teeth <laughs> from the bag he's going to get this summer. We are all tied up, baby. And with just under five minutes to go in the game, Leon Dreisettle tries to set up in the offensive zone, sending, sending it up to Cody Cece, who passes it over to our $9.25 million defenseman, Darnell Norris Nurse, who fires the puck at the net, sneaking past Jeremy Swayman and putting the Oilers up 3-2 with a couple of minutes left in the third. This would be enough to hold off the Bruins, notching the Oilers a huge, huge, huge character building win that ultimately the entire that ultimately had the entire hockey world on notice i don't know if you noticed this during this game but like um they kept on saying through intermission and stuff like this could be a preview of the stanley cup final and i actually kind of got goosebumps knock on Um, wood Knock on, knock on all the wood you can find. Um, but here's a tweet from Jason Greger. Uh, Bruins were 3-0-3 when scoring first. They were 28-0-1 when leading after the first, and they were 35-0-2 leading after the second. And the Oilers beat them in regulation. Shots would finish 28-22. Bruins, Oilers went 0-for-1 in the power play. However, would be a perfect 2-for-2 two two on the PK. Shout out, Manson. Uh, were out hit by the Bruins 33-31. However, most impressively, 53% in the dot against the second best face-off team in the NHL. An absolute hell of a win for this team. There was a moment in the third period, I think there's about five minutes left, maybe a little bit less, and it was Bergeron versus Bugstad in the draw. And Bugstad just straight up overskilled him. Pushed him, pushed him, pushed him over, and then pat, uh, tucked the puck between his legs back to the defenseman. And um, I don't want to be too graphic here, but I, I texted Nolan... Um, that face-off win by Bugstad against Bergeron just made me paint the inside of my pants. Plug your ears, young listeners. <laughs> Miles well, we already is have getting, the explicit. Miles is getting dirty. I don't like saying that, but it felt really nice to see Nick Bugstad beat uh, beat Patrice Bergeron in a face-off. Bick Najugstad. We've went Bick over this. Najugstad. We've went over this many times. Man, he's he is just like. Um, somebody described him as, as a tall Derek Ryan. I feel like it was one of the Oilers nation guys did that, but like he kind of is, and it kind of rocks. Um, tall Derek Ryan, tall Derek Ryan. Yeah. I don't know if I continue. Well, basically he's just like, he does all the right things. He's in the right spot and he's not like overly physical or anything. He's just kind of big wins, draws is helpful in the defensive zone, helps out on the PK, um, in a pinch could probably work on the power play. Just, just he just he's just a solid player. He's just everything doing you stuff, want in a eh? in a bottom six guy. Yeah, he's just out there doing stuff. <laughs> he's out there making stuff happen, eh? Um. Okay, Miles. Should we get to the not so fun game? Um. You know what? We certainly could. 
Uh, and I think that this is probably no, no better time than the present. So last night's game, titled Worst Behavior, 7-4 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs on March 11th. Ah, yes, a trip to Toronto. Usually when I go to Toronto, I cry at real sports and then get kicked out of a karaoke bar. Uh, but that's just the yin and yang to life sometimes, isn't it? Oh, God, it? what a fun night. <laughs> Noel Achari, correct me? Uh, no, you're right. You got it. Well, look at me. Hey, bada bing, bada boom. He opens things up with at the three-minute mark. one nothing Brampton boys. New kid in town, Matthias Ekholm. Scores one from Baby Boosh and Nuge to even things up at one. I'm saying scores one, but he absolutely lasered one top he locker. Rock started. Yeah, no, it it was not. It was not. It was, it was worth watching again. One, Dude, I cheered one. so loud for that goal. What what were you doing for this one? Let's set the stage here a little bit. Oh man, it's good. you're going to be very disappointed. Uh, okay. I basically sat in my basement. Uh, I had. Uh, I just drank a lot of water until the third period, um, and that was really it. I just drank we a love, lot of water and watched the we game. We love a well-hydrated king. Yeah, like 10 liters a day, baby. <laughs> oh, nice. Pastor Dave's going to hate that. Good. <laughs> one nothing. Or sorry, one one. one wait, one one. Yeah, one, 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 one. One for one. Evander Kane, surprisingly not in the penalty box, makes the most of his freedom and scores to give the Oilers a 2-1 lead. Susie, Cece and homegrown McDaniel get the assists on Evander Kane's elusive tuck to make it 2-1 Oilers. Second period, and hometown Conrad scores number 55 from Bush and Bajug for a 3-1 lead. Let's go. And this was off of his interaction with Austin Matthews at center ice. We're going to call it an interaction uh, because he came out of the box, got sprung by Bush and went through the wickets of Matt Murray to give the Oilers a three, one lead. And then this is where it kind of falls off. Bitch Marner, Willie styles, John Tavares, John Tavares score four unanswered goals for the Leafs in the second period to make it 5-3 heading into the room. The shots at this point are also 27-17 to for Toronto. Do you want to get after, get after it right now, or do you want to save this for the end of the game? Because uh, this this was the game right here. Well, I mean, I was I will say one thing. A really tough sequence for Ryan McLeod uh, on the Mitch Barner goal because that yeah. kind of set things off. Um, just a really bad pass. You cannot do that when one of the league's elite forwards is kind of right in your grill. And you probably could that's make the, a- That's the first rule you get taught in hockey is don't pass the puck across the middle of the ice in your own zone. And yeah. it's it's the perfect lesson for every peewee coach ever because if he's watching that with his, with his kid, he's like, see, that's why I talk to you in practice the way that I do. Yeah. That's why you don't feed it across the ice at the, in your own end there, Timmy. And Are then- you- are you are you familiar with Curtis from Alberta? Like, no. So he's a guy on Twitter. He's like a he's a massive Leafs fan, and he has this like he has a room that even even Steve Dangle looks like looks like a I don't know like a monastery with like his Leaf setup. I don't know how to explain this. Basically, Curtis from Alberta. Has I a think jersey. I have seen that. For, they like, like I, for basically every active leaf that's ever played a game, he has like 
when when he watches a game, he wears like a pair of game worn William Nylander gloves, um, like a fucking Jake Muzzin helmet that is also game worn, and then like a game worn jersey that's also signed, and his basement is just completely decked out in leaf in leaf memorabilia. Um and you know what, man, like I I honestly like give the guy major stick taps because he's just a huge fan and I love it. Like I love seeing guys that are really passionate about it and I think that he gets really unfairly bullied um on the internet just for just I mean, he's just a loud lease fan and it's like, you know what, man, do your thing. Like if, if that's your if that's your thing, that's your thing. And he's like he's very well known on Twitter and yada yada yada. But anyways, the reason why I bring this up is because I'm pretty sure he's like a peewee coach and his son is a massively or a massive Oilers fan. And so he's like, he's like, tonight I'm not going to be watching the game alone. My boy, the traitor is going to be cheering on his <laughs> Oilers. And so, so Curtis does this like, go Leafs, go. And he like smash, he like taps the beer can against the, you know, against the camera and stuff. And then his son will have like a Coca-Cola and tap it against the camera and go, go go and so i can only imagine the chirps the kid is getting from his father while while the leafs are just going on an unprecedented run in the second period poor oh, kid yeah. that's an expensive therapy bill incoming for curtis from <laughs> alberta come on curtis having to fix his kid after he just single-handedly tears him down um the leafs didn't single-handedly tear down the oilers but they certainly tore them down in that second period um third period gets underway austin matthews gets his 30th of the season on the power play to extend the leafs lead to three to six to three and then lightning leon the power play merchant the german tickler i don't know whatever you want to call him leon scores his 27th power play goal of the year setting the single season record for power play goals among active skaters but it was all for nothing as noel achari scores the game's final goal just as he scored the game's first goal to finish this one seven four leafs shots ended up being 38 26 for the buds Stu had 31 saves and a 0.839 save percentage while his counterpart matt murray had 22 stops for a 0.849 save percentage definitely not a goaltending excellence campaign by either tender uh oilers were one for three on the power play and three for five on the pk meaning that the buds went two for five on the penalty kill yeah this was a a really rough game to watch um as much as i would love to say because i was i I will admit in my frustration this entire game in the third period once because the the penalty differential on the final rap sheet here shows that the Oilers that the Oilers only had two less power plays than the Leafs had. Um, but I don't know if you felt this, but it felt very much officiated in the Leafs' direction for most of the game. Now, with that being said, I'm not blaming this game on the officiating. I'm just saying it was one of those things that, that did come up while I was watching it. Because um, when the Oilers finally got a power play, I believe it was in the third period, or it was at the end of the second when they finally got it. Um, I, I went, oh my God, it finally happened. They finally got a call go their way. Because it felt like every time there was a moment where, um, there was a moment where, the Leafs would or the Oilers would do something. The Leafs would retaliate and would be very much worse. I'm looking at you, John Tavares, trying to slash Vincent DeHarnay's hand off. Um, and it felt like, and then they were like, "Oh yeah, this is just a coincidental penalty." When it's like, when in all reality, like, like DeHarnay gives a couple of pretty routine cross checks in front of the like in front of the net, and then JT just turns around and sl- slices his hands with his stick, and it just it felt a little. 
it, it felt a little chintzy for the for the officiating crew to call that as a coincidental rather than it should be a, a, a bigger penalty on Tavares rather than it should be on DeHarnay. Nonetheless, though, I'm not blaming anything like that on, on this game because ultimately the Oilers did get calls going in their direction near the end of the game and they had all the more opportunity to uh, seal this game. One thing I did want to mention, though, did you notice the it looked like a, I think it like the Oilers scored and they didn't realize it and nobody realized it and it didn't get called. I don't know if you noticed that it was on the power play near the end of the third. Zach Hyman gets the puck on a stick and he feeds it through Matt. He feeds it through the net and it bounces out from the back of the net. Cause I uh, watched I it and I watched it and I'm like, what the hell did they just score? And then and nobody noticed. I, and then I watched I, a replay I, of it. I would have to see a replay. I I was actually at a friend of the show uh, Wentz's birthday, so we were had a had a bit of a group there out at a at a local eatery, and we were watching the game. There was a lot of Oilers fans there, a couple Leafs fans, and yeah, they were loud and in our face. But either way, happy birthday to Wentz, good guy. Nice to celebrate with him. Just wish that the Oilers could have gotten a dub for him. But no, a lot of those little plays kind of went, um, I guess, unnoticed on my part, just because I wasn't really that focused just kind of watching the game uh hanging out and and having a couple beers and talking stupid so really fun night for a good guy and just unfortunately um Oilers couldn't pull off the win but I mean it is what it is and that sometimes happens in in the hockey world I actually just I actually just sent it to you um ignore the caption because it's Oilers analytics and he just tries to be a a big troll on Twitter but uh, or no is it yeah this is the one yeah, watch. It literally looks like it goes right through Matt Murray and, and comes out of the back of the net. Oh, yeah, you can see that for sure. Yeah. Boom. I mean, when did that happen? That happened in the third period. That that happened on the power play. Like early third, late third? I be- I, on- I honestly couldn't tell you, but I, 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 mean, rem- I remember when it happened. It was in the third period. Either way, the Oilers shot oh, yeah. themselves in the foot in this one. 1,000%. Like, the, yeah, 1,000%. They, they, it was they just, straight up just lost yeah. this hockey game. Yeah, it was just one of those things I, I just, I just, I was just kind of interested by it. And I was like, holy shit, like that, that's kind of annoying. But um, yeah, no, they, they, they choked. They choked. And that's, and that's really all you can say is like, you, you can't go in. I mean, granted, they, they came in um, on a pretty hefty road trip. So I think they're going to be really happy to get back to home now and kind of reset their batteries a little bit. Um, should we kind of just turn this into like our overall, like our thoughts on like what the team should do going forward for this week? Yeah. I mean, go for it. I am curious. This was your note here. So I'm kind of curious to see where you want to go with it. Um, I, I don't know because it's really difficult because Matthias Yanmark and Devin Shore have both played pretty well. Um, so I, I have a tough enough time taking them out. Kyle Yamamoto has also been in a, he's also played decently well over this time period but i would like to see clem costing get back in uh in some capacity and i think it's time to take a break from vincent deharnay for a game or two i think um and if you're not going to do that i would recommend going 11 and 7 but at that point when you're going 11 and 7 you're probably going to take out devin shore but i would suggest um i would suggest getting phil i would suggest getting philip roberg back in the lineup because i think there's a little bit missing with regards to his speed and those two wins against the Leafs and the Jets, the Oilers felt dominant in those two games, and those were two games that he played in. And then it wasn't until the the, the seven-goal allowance by Jack Campbell and co. against the Jets that he finally comes out of the lineup. Because my my issue is kind of like, 
they they obviously beat Boston, but they didn't play particularly well against Boston, if that makes sense. So I think if you go back to the drawing board of like, all right, we played our probably our two best games of the season against both the Jets and the Leafs. Let's go back to this and and let's see what we can do because especially against especially against a team like the Leafs uh, like the Leafs off the rush where when they get the puck on their stick and they go through the neutral zone like they are so fast and so quick and those passes are just off the tape and onto the tape and it's they are able to convert so quickly and I think that that's a little bit too much for Vincent DeHarnay to handle he's not a very fast guy um, he's big he obviously has that reach but I think when you get a guy in the lineup that has a little bit more speed to him a little bit more puck movement ability that might actually help the team in the long run yeah you got to keep in mind though like take it with a grain of salt they they ultimately brought in three new guys on this team some additions some subtractions I think it's a little bit of a knee jerk to say that they've got to make you know changes or or whatnot they obviously do have to make changes right they've got to find are... they've got to they've got to find their identity with these new guys and have them kind of get comfortable and i'm also counting evander kane as a new guy in this just you know getting him comfortable playing with guys okay like playing... ken holland i'm just kidding. well come on but I'm play, kidding. Like, getting back into getting back into game shape getting back into chemistry with the guys that he's going to be playing with and just finding out okay do we want to plug him on line one with connor or is he going to play on line two with leon so there's different things that they've got to figure out um, I mean, even going further on that too, right? Like we're going to be getting close to the end of the year here and the Oilers are what they're like nine points up on the teams that would be fighting yeah. for wildcard three. Cal- so they, Calgary and Nashville. Yeah. So they're up. Yeah. They're up nine points on Calgary and Nashville. A little bit of breathing room, obviously don't want to turn this into an identity crisis or anything like that. But the move that I want to see more than anything is as soon as he's healthy, get Dylan Holloway back up and yeah. have his, have his speed and his offensive skill into that bottom six, especially with Bukestad, like a better defensive player and just see what he can do and see what he can inject into that bottom six, because I don't think you can ever have enough speed or enough skill when you're going into the playoffs. Uh, I mean, my dream, but I don't think they can make it work cap wise is he's been shooting the lights out in the A. I would love to see Raphael Lavoie get a call up. Yeah, I was looking at that actually between him and Burgo to see because I think they're one two on the team, something like that. Uh, uh, no, it's Lavoie and Tulio are actually the two uh, are are the are the two leading scorers for the team, I believe. Oh, Ber- um, Ber- Burgo is like one, two, or three, or something like that. He's he's doing yeah. very well as well. But between him and Holloway and Lavoie, like just you know a young, a young quick guy with some offensive upside, I think would be a nice addition to see in that in that bottom six. That's about really the only change I want to see to the lineup because for the most part, I think that right now just let them find their game, let them get comfortable, and yeah, I definitely agree with the Bush or uh, Broberg coming back into the lineup as like a main game state yeah. player. So yeah. I think if they do that, they'll be fine. But, you know, let them get home. Let them get a little bit of a break. They just played a couple of monsters here over the last two weeks. Did pretty well. So let's just, you know, ride the yeah. wave here and, and let them keep playing their game. Yeah, and at the end of the day, too, like they they kind of, I would say that the team overall played decently well against Winnipeg in that in that seven-goal game. Um, unfortunately, the goaltending just really let them down on that one. Sorry, Jack, I'm going to continue to run you back over with the bus i don't um, blame goalies a few <laughs> moments later um but and then, and then even in like the boston loss they they played really well in that game so 
I mean, I think you're onto something. Like I said, I would just like to, I think I'd like to see Broberg back in the lineup in some way just to get a little bit of speed on the back end and a little bit more puck movement ability because uh, especially with Brett Kulak, I like Brett Kulak, I really do, but I think that there's a, just a little bit missing there, and I think that there that a little ejection of some youth can go a long way there. So, um, And I don't even know if it's anything missing in Kulak's game. I think it's just like the complement of the player with him. That's why, especially with defensemen, a pair is so powerful, and how you can see guys elevate their, their, their D partner just having somebody who's complementary to their game play with them. Like he just simply plays because we've been singing the praises of Brett Kulak for a long time. Yeah. And it's just over these past few games where you've maybe noticed him dip a little bit or not be playing up to what we've seen or his caliber because, you know, he doesn't have that safety pocket with yeah. him, right? He doesn't have that safety net that he had playing with the, the guy that he's familiar with. So bring him back in. And I say, I think no problem with Kulak. I think he'll be, he'll bounce back real good. Miles, can I just read you some quick porn for a second? <sighs> Um, at five on five, Matthias Eckholm and Evan Bouchard. Um, uh, shots for 46, shots against 41. Um, goals for eight to two. Uh, expected goals for percentage 60.14. High danger chances for 61.54%. And yeah, that's just, that's just a lot of, a lot of hot stuff. So they're getting along. <laughs> They're really good. And man, Evan Bouchard has looked so good since Matias Eichholm has come over. Yeah, absolutely. I think that just goes back to like guys are compliment- complimenting each other. I think he feels like the defensive side of things is a little bit more stable than it was with whoever he was playing with before, whether it was Barry or Kulak. And it's allowing Bouch to kind of play his game a little bit and have have some more freedom, some more creativity and, and know that there's going to be a mainstay. I have not noticed this Oilers team. I have not noticed an Oilers team play this physical in a long ass time. Yeah. And that's even without Clem Costin in the lineup. Yeah. That, that this, the whole defensive unit has just upped the physicality tremendously. And it's been, it's nice to see uh, some dirty jerseys getting knocked around and, and laying on the ice from some, from those big demons. So kudos to, to Ekholm he's leading by example and he's showing what yeah. you know power physicality can do because it's they shouldn't be an easy team to play against um in the offensive zone or the defensive zone and he adds a big element of physicality and presence on that back end I know that that's a bit of a cliche but he when he's out there guys know that they're not going to get away with little dipsy doodly uh Mitch Marner bullshit the, yeah spinorama shit in the neutral zone like if that home sees you he's gonna light you up yeah run over you like a bus it's all it's also too what what I the 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 hope I have with a guy like Vincent DeHarnay is like I know that he's an older defenseman but maybe working with somebody like Matthias Eckholm who's not the fleetest of foot that he might be able to give him some pointers on like on his defensive zone prowess and being able to get in, you know, to get in all the right lanes and be able to make the right reads that this is a guy that maybe we can take advantage of all that size and that length. Um, and he can really turn into like an extremely just major shutdown guy. And if he's paired, if he's paired with somebody that can move the puck a little bit better then maybe he's got a bit of a higher upside to him where he can play around that, you know, anywhere from 15 to 18 minutes a night. Um, but, you know, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, too, I, I know I'm being a little hard on Vinny D right now, but, like, I have to also realize, too, it's like he's played 20 games in the National Hockey League. Like, the shit will come to him. Um, 
it seemed like a lot of young defensemen that we've had have kind of looked a little scared when they first came in. I remember when Ethan Bear first came in and he looked just mortified <laughs> until he eventually got the call back up to play with Darnell Nurse and looked incredible. So um, I'm not I'm not too too worried. Uh, one 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 quick thing I did want to mention on Evan Bouchard: uh, six points in his last five games. So the okay. kid's cooking. The kid is he cooking. He is cooking. He is, and we certainly love to see it. Do you know what Are else you... we love to see, Miles? What's that? Uh, we uh, like to see a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, when 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 you like to when you like to win a couple dollars on some things, Miles. Are you Are you sure, Nolan? I I, I might be. Uh oh! It's time for an ad read. This episode of One for One is brought to you in part by our friends at BetStamp. Teams are tanking, teams are pushing for the playoffs, and deadline additions are settling into their new roles. While the action on the ice is heating up, so are the sports books. Don't lay down any juice without help from BetStamp. BetStamp aggregates all the odds for sports books around Canada, ensuring that you get the ultimate bang for your book. You can line shop with all the big sports books, track your bets with their verified tracking system, and even follow winning bettors who use the platform to find those smart picks. Hell, you can even find Nolan and myself, as well as friends of the show, on their easy-to-use, socially integrated app. Nolan, with these, uh, with these, with these hot bets coming in. What are you finding on the old stamper? Oh boy, I, 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 well, I mean, the one that we were talking about before we started, I, I thought was a really good one. Um, I, I concur. I concur. Well, Miles, why don't you, why, why, why don't you let the kids at home, at, at, why don't you let the kids at home know what you're talking about? Absolutely. So I'm taking a shot at this here. If you've been following along for a little while, you know that I am a very new sports gambler. And uh, it, I do find it fun to, you know, up the stakes a little bit when you're watching a game. And if there's one thing you know about one for one, it's that we love dunking on the Leafs. So I scrolled on my handy dandy bet stamp app here and found the Sabres playing the Leafs tomorrow, Monday, March 13th, where you can get the Buffalo Sabres at plus 219 against Toronto. And I think that that if you're looking to take a little bit of an underdog pick, uh, I think the Leafs are going to be full of piss and vinegar after that game against the Oilers. They might not come out playing the most defensively sound of games. And if Tajay and the team can capitalize on that, that bet could end up paying off pretty well for you. And I found those odds on BetSnap. You can go onto the app yourself and check it out um, where some sports books even have them. And I'm not going to name names, but have them at like plus seven plus 175. So it just goes to show how drastic of a difference there is and just how much BetSnap can help you find those good picks. Um, use the code one for one and please play responsibly. Thanks to our friends at BetSnap for helping, uh, helping us with the show. Thank you, BetSnap. Um, Miles. Nerlin. We have our first GM firing of the season. Plug, plug years, Ramus Winston. The Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers have fired general manager Chuck Fletcher after four-ish seasons with the team, promoting assistant GM and longtime Flyer legend Daniel Breer to interim GM. The Flyers are 24-31-11, and 11, third last in the Eastern Conference, and are one of the most depressing teams to watch in the <laughs> NHL. Uh, fun fact, Chuck Fletcher was fired on the one-year anniversary of handing a five-year, $25.5 million extension to everyone's favorite defenseman, Rasmus Ristolainen. 
<sighs> Danny Breer now gets the opportunity to make an impression on the organization, despite not getting a deadline to make use of unloading assets and recuperating picks or younger players. He's went on record saying that he's not afraid of a rebuild, um, but he won't no, commit to a fire it. sale. Oh, uh, so you did look at the headline. Yeah. Dude, so how do you not see that headline? That's horrendous reporting. So uh, I don't know if anyone has noted or has heard about this headline, but uh, Sam, uh, Sam, Sam Carcitti, I think his name is, or Sam, or Sam Carcitti. I, I, I can't remember what it is. Um, his headline for, um, <laughs> for Danny Breer's, uh, Danny Breer's quote about about a rebuild. He says, "Danny Breer uses our word, welcomes the challenge." <laughs> oh my goodness! Gracious. What the fuck, Sam? What are you thinking? That's such a Philly headline. That's such a Philly sports writer headline. My, my Mikey Stevens' first reply is, "He used what?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, call him an call him an idiot if you want to. He's got people talking. He's got oh people talking. Oh my god! About the he's article. got he's got women talking. It's back to the Oscars again. Sorry. Uh, I know you said plug your ears, Ramus Winston, but he is dancing naked in the streets yeah. right now. He he is. Philly fans are pumped about, about Danny Breer, apparently. Like, oh, they simp for him so hard. I mean, I think that this is probably similar to what Oilers fans feel about like Brad Holland and like Steve Steos and stuff. Because Steve Steos is part of the organization. I don't know if you guys remember that, but yeah, he I have this feel. Yeah, Hamilton he came or something. Right? Yeah, something like that. I th- I have this feeling that once Ken Holland says "say la vie" and passes on, I just don't want to say passes on. That. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> he rides off into the sunset. That's what I was looking for. Um, it's gonna be this group of just like of like a co- a combination of like nepo babies and former Oilers, and it's gonna be like this weird, this weird, uh, former tough guy, but also heavy into analytics department, and they're just gonna become a bunch of fucking nerds. Under the guise of Steve Steos. Just as long as they don't go full Dallas Eakins and get rid of donuts at the press conferences, because I think that uh I think that Bob Stoffer would quit. And there's no Oilers hockey with no Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by by Edmonton Spas. No, it's <laughs> You're not listening to Oilers now with Bob Stoffer presented by World of Spas. World of Spas. There we go. And he's Jack like, gonna love he's that like one. every guest of Oilers now is, is rewarded with a hundred dollar gift certificate to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. <laughs> tell, tell Chef Chris we sent you. First name basis with Chef Chris. Shout shout out shout out to Bobby. Bobby stops. Dude, so yeah, we've got. Can, a, we, get, can we get Bob on the pod? I need to get I Bob would, on the pod. I would love to just talk to him about Roadhouse King Burgers and just see what he says. If he thinks I'm out to lunch, or Dude, if there's any validity to all that shit that we've talked. My, if he ever listened to one episode of us, he would not come on. I feel like, like he some would. Of though, bad, I think some I think, of our bad ones last year, though, where we were lighting like, them up. But here's the thing, though: is Stoff loves to be self-deprecating if you listen to his show he loves to be self-deprecating he's he loves to be like uh he loves to be say, say something along the lines of like like oh yeah that guy looks good out there or, or he'll say oh yeah that's a good looking dude i can't say the same about myself <laughs> or he'll say like he said stuff he said something along the lines of like um uh he was like he's like a few years and a few belt loops ago <laughs> something like that Bobby Stoff hates it, but he love. I don't know, man. 
Bob, if you're listening, be our friend, be our guest. <laughs> when the lights whatever. are the brightest, he's there for the taking. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of the bright lights, and I feel like this is only um, only fair for me to say this. Uh, every every step I take, every move I make, the Bruins are there watching me because they've gone from Fuchs's fraud to just absolute juggernaut uh, before everybody's eyes. And and it shows how much I know about hockey. Boston Bruins become the fastest team to win 50 games with their win over the Detroit Red Wings, their 64th game of the season. They break the record held by the 95, 96 Detroit Red Wings and uh, 1819 lightning. Both of those teams had the single season wins record of 62 Note, the Wings lost the conference final to the Avs, and the Lightning famously were swept by Sergei Brubovsky and his band of Merry Blue Jackets in the first round. So, President's Trophy curse? I don't know. But Bruins fans were certainly beating their chest uh, and, and talking their shit. Ben and, and T-Nye, the science guy, they were lighting me up uh, the game before the Oilers, like before the game against the Oilers and talking all this shit. And it got, got real quiet once that final score hit. So I think they've bounced back well. And I just hope that they're uh, that they're ready for, for what may come in the playoffs. It's going to be so funny when Craig Anderson stands on his head for the Sabres and, and beats the Bruins in like six games. Could you imagine? <laughs> Dude, it's going to happen. This team is going to get goalied in the first round, and get we're goalied. about to see it happen again. It's going to be so stupid. It's going to be the Sabres. It's going to be the Islanders. It's going to be like, oh, man, who would be a good one? Oh, imagine Bobrovsky doing it again with Florida. <laughs> Yeah, dude, Matty T just t- puts his team on his back and beats the Bruins. I would kind of like to see it. I'm not going to lie. Just Aaron Eckblad has like 15 points on the back end in round one. I Just the comfortably smugness of those Bruins fans. It would be kind of nice to see something like that happen. See, but... the, the only thing is that I almost wonder, because I don't think Linus Olmark has played in very many playoff games. I could be wrong. I would probably have to look this up, but he's really only played for the Sabres before the Bruins. So, I mean, you got to factor that into it. Like that is a that is a pretty big deal if you've only played a few playoff games in your career. Like there yeah, he's played two playoff games in his entire career and it was with Boston last year. And he had a uh 4.16 GAA and a 0.860 save percentage. So, you got to hope that your Swedish king there is uh ready to take on the load in the uh in the playoffs. No doubt. It's yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens with them in the playoffs. Uh, they're freaking good though, so uh, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. What Neither was I gonna I. say? I was gonna say something. Uh, you were gonna I say something about the Bruins. Uh, about how the about them them getting goalied. I don't know. <sighs> Dude, I don't know either. I'm just so hammered. I can't even think. Are you on a you, Sunday afternoon? Are you excited for tomorrow? I'm excited for tomorrow. It's going to be an early morning, though. I'm kind of dreading getting up that early and having to, yeah, but, you know. Early travel, these are so nice, though. They are. It's going to be nice to get in there early and have a little bit of breakfast and then drop the bags off. Oh, and it's going to be like 20, so nice. 27 degrees tomorrow, 29 degrees on Tuesday. So big pool days. We're Borging. Do you know what Borgs are? I know the, I know the defenseman, Will Borgen, who plays for the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> So Borgs have been taking over TikTok recently and it's like this big Gen Z thing, but uh, essentially it's a gallon of water and you dump out half of it and you fill the rest up with vodka, Mio and like hydration packs. 
and it's supposed to be they call Borg stands for blackout rage gallon. Mm. So it's supposed to do the you know do the job kind of thing, right? Um, but it's supposed to taste really good and just I don't know, it's fun. It's a it's a thing. So we're gonna do a Borg day. But the cool thing about Borgs is you have to name your Borg and the name has to have Borg in it. So like Borg and Wallen or LeBorg oh. James. So I think I'm going to name my Morgan Freeman. <laughs> See, there's a lot of possibilities. I was going to do uh, Bogdan Borgonovich. Cyborg. Cyborg, right? There's lots of good Borgs. So I'm looking forward to a Borg day. Cool and Borg. That sounds like so much fun. Um, I also have my travel insurance purchase. So for anybody who's worried, I'm, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be happy. Um, speaking of... Uh... Uh, speaking of uh, guys that are uh, on their Borg days, uh, Jonathan Quick is 3-0-0 with a .939 save percentage and one shutout in Vegas. He stopped 92 of 98 shots he's faced. As Miles wrote, he's he's on X Games mode. He, he is. It's the, it's the Jonathan Quick revenge tour. It's the petty and bitch award. He might single-handedly just limp this team to the second round. Um, Unless the Oilers have to play him. I do not want to face Jonathan Quick in the playoffs again. Please don't do not this again. to me. No, 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 no. I can't Especially deal with those hyper-athletic saves for a 38-year-old. <laughs> Especially, like, the, the the Knights are a lot better than the Kings were last year, too. And the, they took the Oilers to seven. The, so. worst, the thing that's kind of driving me nuts about Oilers fans and the Kings right now is people are, like, writing off the Kings as if there's some easy task. Like, they literally didn't have Victor Arvidsson and Drew Doughty last season. Like, if we have to face the Kings again, I'm fucking terrified. Oh, dude, that there, yeah, I, everybody's talking. Well, oh, the East is so much better, and these teams are so good. But like, it's the NHL; it's best on best every night, and there's some really good hockey teams in the West. I don't want to hear that shit because the Oilers had to play in the Pacific Division when the Sharks, Kings, and Ducks were all among the league's elite. So I don't want to hear For that years. shit. Yeah, yeah, that was like a 10-year period. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. They somehow beat the Sharks and then took the Ducks to seven, who narrowly lost to the Predators. Like, that was a dominating Western Conference at that time. So I'm not willing to hear about, how oh, oh, well, playoff run doesn't count in the West because the East is so much more difficult. Fuck off. The teams are just saying, people are just saying that to justify that their te- when their team is just dumped. And to get under our skin, that's why. <laughs> and it's guess what? It's working. <laughs> yeah, we're angry. <laughs> I'm angry at nobody. Old man yells at Cloud. Speaking of old man oh, yells at God. Cloud, Nolan. I just I, looked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the term rock star gets thrown around <laughs> a lot these days. That's a horrible segue, but people know what's coming here. Um, and you're probably used to hearing a rock star of the week or two. Well, guess what? Curveball. Um, didn't have enough time this week to do one off of last week. I was looking at the stories and I couldn't really find any rock star behavior. And, and it's a word that I hold near and dear to my heart. And I don't want to, um, what's the word here? Elevate somebody to rock stardom if they don't deserve it so we're gonna hold off on rockstar of the week and th- this is another little fan favorite of a segment that that we've done before and this is a blast from the past oilers segment i'm gonna be talk just catch you up on a couple of guys that you might be thinking of some former oilers 
um, that uh, maybe had a cup of coffee with the team or maybe a mainstay, whatever. And we're just going to see what they're up to and just, you know, take a little trip down memory lane. I'm about to do, I'm about to do a very cursed Google search. Good stuff. The, uh, 2014-15 Edmonton Oilers roster. <laughs> oh, there's a few guys from that roster on here. Um, So blast from the past Oilers. Let's start things off with a guy who, you know, we hoped for really high things on. What about you ever just stop what you're doing and think about what Pontus Aberg is doing? <laughs> you ever just wonder what he's doing? Well, I'll tell you what he's doing. He's playing in the Swiss A-League for the Rappers Wiljona Lakers, who he's got 22 points in 22 games for them. He's just doing Lord shit, playing close to home. I think I think when he was playing, he played for the Leafs. He played for the Preds. He played for a lot of Oilers, obviously. Kind of bounced around for a little bit. Could never really find a, like a mainstay home in the NHL. So I think he had a young young kid, like a young daughter. He was a single father. So he went back to Europe to be closer to his family and, and you know, take better care of her and be more involved. So he did dad duty, but uh, yeah, he was a guy who never really found his footing with the Oilers. I was kind of, I remember being hyped about him. Yeah. I remember when he came over from, uh, when he came over from the Preds, I want to say that was in the, I think it was 16. Uh, was it, um, or did he come from the jet or no, it was a part of a three-way trade. I think, I think uh, they acquired him from the Preds for a pick. They acquired for Mark Latestu, if I know correctly. Um, that is exactly what happened. Um, oh, oh, sorry. Okay, so yeah, so Mark Latestu went to the Predators, um, and then I think he got flipped to the Jackets. Yes, that's that's exactly what happened. Um, so that's cool. Um, but uh, yeah, like Pontus Aberg, I was so excited for him. I thought that he was going to be just so sick, um, and uh, that 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 did not happen. <laughs> Well, here, why don't we talk about another sick guy? Another guy. I think you got a good story about this fella, too. Drake Kajula. You remember the Drake? Oh, I do. I do remember He's the Drake. Currently playing in the AHL with the Wilkes-Barre Scratton Penguins. He's got 40 points in 52 games. Uh, Drake Kajula played in the NHL for the Oilers, the Blackhawks, the Yotes, the Sabres, the Pens, and, and now he's in his first full season in the AHL. So that's uh, that's the Drake. That's what he's up to. He was a uh, he was a huge college free agent signing. I remember the there was a a, a big bidding war for him, and and when he came over, because he was a young guy too. I think he was like twenty two or something like that when he signed. Well, he's currently only twenty eight, so he's young. Yeah, still. he was. He had in his last season at University of North Dakota, he had fifty one points in thirty nine games. So X Games mode. Yeah, he was nuts. He was like, uh, yeah. Oh, and they won the NCAA championship, and he was the most outstanding player of the tournament. Oh God, I hate seeing shit like that. It makes me so sad. <laughs> That's um, what I like to do with this segment, with this blast from the past Oilers segment. I want to make oh, people sad. He was. I I did like him in his first season though, and the the thing that sucked was like he played pretty decently in his first season, but the expectations were so high for him that that was a major reason why they traded Jordan Everly was there like Drake Kajula will step up. And, um, yeah, that didn't happen. Good times. Oh, he was a part of that trade for Brandon Manning. Oh, (laughs) 
Uh, okay, well, let's talk about some more good times. Let's let's go back to that uh, that playoff run Oilers team from from 2016 2017, and we've said his name before. We're gonna say it again, David Dehar, yay! Who's currently playing for the uh, Swiss A League for the Fribourg Golden Hockey Club. He's got 29 points in 52 games. Deharnay played for the Habs, the Oilers, and the Rangers before going to the KHL, and he's been with the same Swiss A-League team for his fourth season with them. Played in the 2022 Olympics for Team Canada as well, where he had one assist. Um, Lord, Lord status. What a legend. Um, do you know who was traded as a part of the package to get uh, David Deharnay? I do not remember, no. Oh, a guy... I was really excited about, and I think you were probably really excited about a uh, blast from the past, Pat, as well. Oh, God, who? Take a wild guess. D man. Colton Tubert? Brandon Davidson. Oh, even better. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Brandon Davidson. They, I remember, I'm pretty sure Gene broke that trade during in the middle of a game because it was like the Oilers were playing incredibly well. They were on their way to the playoffs and they're like, yeah, Peter Shirelli is going to reward his squad for a playoff run. They're like, the Edmonton Oilers have just acquired David DeHarnay in exchange for a third round pick and defenseman Brandon Davidson. And I was like, what? Brandon Davidson was awesome last year. Why would they move him? Wonder what he, he, maybe he'll be on the next installment of, of the blast from the past Oilers. He was brought back too afterwards, which is sick. Cause apparently I think when, um, cause he went to the, um, he ended up going to the Habs and then he came back to the Oilers, I believe as a free agent. And then they somehow traded him to the Islanders for a third round pick. Like they just essentially picked him up off the streets and then he, <laughs> and then them. he, yeah, and then we're able to trade him for a third-round pick. So that's a pretty shrewd move. Shirelli? Third-round. That was a Shirelli move, yeah. Oh, forgotten uh, about. 2019 third-round pick. While you're talking about the next one, I want to find out who that 2019 third-round pick was. This is going to be a fun one. Um, Got to throw a goalie into the mix here. What about Jonas Gustafsson? Played, parts of, played, played for the Leafs, the Red Wings, the Oilers, the Bruins. Had a had a couple of cups of coffee around the NHL. I played 42 games for the Leafs, 23 games for the Leafs, 42 games for the Leafs, 27 for the Wings, 24 for the Bruins. Uh, only played seven games for the Oilers, but what's he doing now? He's also playing in the Swedish Hockey League for the Link Toppings Hockey Club. He's got 32 games played. He's got a .917 save percentage and a 2.35 goals against average. I know it's a different league, but those numbers are better than Markstrom's. Um, Miles, uh, I it's actually very fitting that you mentioned a goaltender because I just looked up who uh, Brandon Davidson was traded for the, the third round pick that Brandon Davidson was trading for. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you think you can handle this? Is it Stu? Ilya Konovalov. Ilya Konovalov. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess Stu was a second rounder, not a third rounder, eh? No, he was a third rounder. Was he a third rounder? I should yeah, but trust he was my gut. 2017, I think. Hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, Ilya Konovalov, we hardly knew thee. Yeah, Jonas Gustafsson, I, I remember them signing him because he was one of the, he was one of the like last minute, or he was one of the guys, because uh, that was the that was the big free agency day. Um, that was uh, July 1st, 2016. I will remember that day in infamy and the, the, the day that uh, Peter Shirelli st- stood outside of Roger's place on July 1st with one freshly... Freshly trimmed up, freshly signed free agent Milan Lucic, and said, "I'm just really excited to come play with the greatest player in the world." 
and uh, you know it's going to be really awesome. Psych. <laughs> um, and Jonas Gustafsson was the other guy that was a part of that day. So um, shout out Jonas Gustafsson because um, yeah, former Leaf as well. So, you know, considering I did, I did mention slots. that former oh. I, former Red Wing, former Bruin. It's fine. Sorry, you're I'm, busy. I'm, I'm an asshole. <laughs> you are, but that's fine. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about another fella here, Rob Clinkhammer. You remember oh, the clink? The clink. I remember the clink. Him. Played for the Hawks, the Sens, the Coyotes, the Penguins, and then two seasons with the Oilers. What's he doing now? He is playing for the Moscow Dynamo in the KHL. He's got 16 points in 41 games. The clink. Dude, that was uh that's uh um Alex Ovechkin's Russian Super League team. So I don't know if there's any correlation there, if there's any uh, you know. You know, if there's if if there's if there's any overlap, maybe Rob Klinkhammer is like the Canadian Alex Ovechkin. Probably not, but it's worth I mean, thought. Sixteen points in forty-one games. <laughs> I mean, if you look at if you look at Ovechkin's uh, uh, Russian Super League stats, they weren't great. But granted, he was also like sixteen. Yeah. No, this is full-blown KHL. Yeah. <laughs> Tough beat for the clink. Tough beat for the clink. We miss you. One more. One more. This will oh, be a good, good one too. This one this I was a- excited about. A good name. What about Adam Clendenning? What remember, about him? I remember some Adam dude. Search up dude. the name Adam. Do, search up the name Adam Clendenning and look at his first headshot that pops up. Uh, I'm on hockey DB. It's it's oh I think it's his or no is it his it, it just it's the one for NHL.com. It's just really dude, funny. He, he looks like uh, Jay's friend Matt. I shouldn't. You might have to bleep out the last name there. Oh, I shouldn't Jesus completely Christ. dox the guy, but he looks like he looks like uh, he looks like Maddie. <laughs> Never mind that. No, Maddie's good. Maddie's a good-looking cat. I'm just. Oh, I was I was more so just laughing at at like Clendenning's face he has in his in his like NHL.com picture. It looks like he smelled something bad. <laughs> stinky. Yeah. Speaking of stinky, he played for the Hawks, the Canucks, the Penguins, the Oilers, the Rangers, the Yotes, and the Jackets. He is currently uh, in the AHL. He played parts, uh, better part of the season for the Rockford Ice Hogs, and now he is playing with the Hartford Wolf Pack. Uh, he's got 54 games played, 28 points, 51 pims, and is a staggering minus 17. He is like the um, he's the definition of AHL superstar offensive defenseman. <laughs> He was 21, and he had 59 21. points in 74 games. He was an absolute monster in the AHL. And when he came over off of waivers from Ed- or to Edmonton, everyone thought that he was going to be like a surefire top four, like Justin Schultz-like, you know, stud offensive defenseman. And lo and behold, two of them would be absolute dust bags in their own end. <sighs> Tough so... We've got, I, I know with our group of friends, we, and I'm sure it's like this with every group of guys, like I don't think that we're cool or anything or unique or whatever, but just sitting around and naming old hockey players, we we have a blast doing that and making a drinking game out of like their games played and goals and stuff like that. So I, I hope that you got a bit of a, I, I hope that you liked the bat, blast from the past Oilers here and that... um the names Pontus Aberg, Drake Kajula, David DeHarnay, Jonas Gustafsson, Rob Klinkhammer, and Adam Klein-Denning were ones that you haven't thought of for a while because it's it's nice to go down memory lane every now and again. 
Yeah, especially man. when you got a short podcast episode and you need to find content. Dude, I I I think that next time we should honestly just crack a couple beers and just sip them and go. Those were the days. Those, those were the were days, days of. Those were the days of. Uh, uh, oh, hold on! I'm just I'm just look I'm just looking at this right here. Andrew, I don't even remember Andrew Miller. Like Steve Steve Pinizzotto. Oh, <laughs> Andrew Miller is such a superstore name. <laughs> do you, Do you remember when Matt Frazier was an Oiler? I do actually. He was a big. Am I thinking of the right guy? Was he a centerman? Um. No, he was a winger. He was a scoring winger that, uh, for some reason... I, I think I'm thinking was... of Matt Hendricks. You are thinking of Matt Hendricks. Matt Hendricks was awesome. Matt Hendricks is, is more than just a blast from the past. He was, like, a crucial part of that 16-17 team. Yeah, that guy's a Dude, tough son of a bitch. Bogdan Yakimov. Do you remember that guy? <laughs> I I don't. Six foot five left handed center, two hundred and thirty-two pounds. Oh, just a twisted big, steel and sex appeal. Big boy. Went over and played in the KHL six points in nineteen games. And he's like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna come back to the NHL. And the NHL is like, No, thank you, you can stay there. <laughs> is that what the, is that what Batman said? He just hit him back <laughs> with that real quick. He's or just what? like, uh Bogdan, um, I've spoken to my associates and they think that you should stay. <laughs> it's like okay so anyways Still. yeah no, it'll be a fun idea for the summer maybe we can do a summer episode of just cracking beers and talking about old hockey players but yeah, at this fun. moment nolan i think we need to talk about current players and current hockey uh because this week coming up we have three big tilts tuesday march 14th the oilers play the sends uh thursday march 16th the oilers play the stars the resurgent stars, your favorite team. And then March 18th, we are in Seattle at the Climate Pledge Arena. So stars, sorry, sends, stars, Seattle. I wanted to do a little alliteration there. How do you feel? What are you thinking? Well, for so one, this Seattle game chill. is probably the most important game of, of this stretch coming up because you're currently fighting with them for third place in the division. You have to take third place. I'm sorry, I do not want to go into a playoff series in round one going up against like the the freaking stars or like the Golden Knights or something. I want like a decent middle matchup. Um and it'd be just nice to try and take maybe home ice advantage going in, you know, going in deeper into the playoffs because if somehow, you know, a lower seed beats whoever's in the one seed or if you know some or if, even if you can get first place if even if you can get first place in the pacific division you want to try and get home ice rogers is electric and the if if you i mean just see last year when they when they were in when they were in game seven against la like i, I still watch replays of that and, and how loud it was you want to make sure that you try and cement home ice advantage for the playoffs and if you can do that against the Seattle Kraken, then I think you're going to be on a bit of a run here. So they got to get the lineup squared out this week. I think that you have to find your main 18 four or 18 guys that you guys are that you're going to play going forward and stick with it. So I'm feeling pretty good. I think they're going to learn a lot from this Toronto game. And God damn it, I'm going to do it. Three and zero. Oh. Three. Oh. 
double double up. That's what I'm saying too. I agree with you. I think that like if you saw McDavid's body language in that game against the Leafs, I think that that's one where he goes into the room after and just like slams the door and freaks the fuck out on everybody in that room and talks about how they can't do that shit. Turnovers. And I hope that the guys respond. Pardon? You gotta you gotta cut down on the turnovers. That's yeah. the biggest thing. You gotta you gotta you gotta get out of the bakery business. Especially when they played, you know, and beat Boston. They had such momentum and then they just pissed it all away and in, in about a ten minute stretch in the second period. Looked flat all game, but really those ten minutes I think is what what sunk the ship against the Leafs. So yeah. I'm expecting them to come out with a lot better effort, like you said, figure out their lineup, um, come into these games and like we're talking doom and gloom like um, cause they've been in a wild card spot all, all season here kind of collectively. Um, but that first place in the Pacific isn't that far away and no, it's, it's totally like attainable. Yeah, and totally. the Oilers have been really hot in 23. I think it's, it's go time for them. They've gotten through that big tough stretch of teams and now they've got a couple softer ones. Um, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people with the way that they play Dallas. I think they're going to play Dallas really well. That's either going to be one that looks great for me cause they're going to win like six, two, or they're going to get stomped seven, three. Uh, that just seems to be how we play against the stars, but I think that they're going to come come into that one and look good. So I'm I'm quite confident in three and zero this week. I'm I'm how, manifesting it. How how many games do you get to Jack this week? Because you can't continue to play Stuart Skinner every night going forward. Like you have I think to you give him the Sens. Give him the Sens. I I, I might actually I might actually say give him Sens and give him Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, I think you got to just try and instill a little confidence in this guy because what you want to do is you want to make sure that when you go into the playoffs, I've said this a million times, and I'll say it a million and one, just get him to like 900. Just get him very, very, like 900 is like league average right now, like 905, 910. If you can get him to just be an average starting goaltender, he can he can allow three goals a game. I don't give a shit. Just make sure, because the Oilers can score goals. Just... Just cut down on the five, six, seven goal performances. So if you can do that and you can get a little confidence in this guy because confidence seems so important to Jack Campbell, you can do that. I think we're going to be in a really good situation come playoff time. Hell yeah, brother. I get it. I love it. And hopefully the Oilers can get it too. Nolan, anything else you want to say or should we wrap things up? I think we can wrap her up. Well, thank you very, very much for tuning in with us here for the season three episode 18 of the one for one podcast home of hot takes and even hotter listeners we have a massive week of hockey coming up for the oilers we hope you follow along we hope you enjoy it but more importantly as always spoilers go spoilers go